Hi, this is Regeline Sabat, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me Podcast. My guest today is Gregory Austin. Gregory Austin is a recruiting and candidate experience expert, keynote speaker, acclaimed author of stellar resume writing, Secrets from a Corporate Recruiter, and former Savannah police officer. Having reviewed 10,000 plus job applicants and employees during his 10 years of HR and recruiting experience, he helps build Pro Pharma Group through great hires and helps candidates understand how to land great careers. Welcome to the podcast, Gregory. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yes, and we're so honored to have you here. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you're from? Wow, um, boy, that could take the whole podcast, I think. So. <laughs> I moved around a lot. Um, born in Garden City, Kansas, and I mean, we, we, did, we did the circuit. South Carolina, California for six years. Um, did high school in Columbia, Missouri really ruffled a lot of feathers because that's where University of Missouri is. I went to rival Kansas University in Lawrence. Um, then I went to graduate school, University of Florida and studied interdevelopmental psychology and uh, psychophysiology there. Um, moved to Denver and went into the business world. I did a number of different things from there, from sales, marketing, consulting, um, eventually ended up in recruiting. And that's a whole nother story in and of itself, but I recruited pharmaceutical scientists um, for a good while and then got into corporate recruiting thereafter and I've kind of come full circle and back into pharmaceutical now which is a great place to be. I love it and can you tell us more about your company Career Jetpack? So careerjetpack.com is really something that came about and in my impetus and desire to help uh, career seekers and job seekers really improve their chances of A, getting seen, and B, really getting a job and, and getting that offer letter. So uh, when I was starting out as an agency recruiter, I really enjoyed the, the coaching aspect of getting my candidates really prepared well for um, being presented to a company and getting the job and so forth. But as a corporate recruiter, obviously, we can't prep our candidates. It's kind of stacking the deck and uh, candidates would love that, but it wouldn't work out very well. So, but I still have this desire and need and, and want to do that. So I do it through um, a lot of the posts that I did on LinkedIn. I'm now collating and bringing onto that website and articles and videos. And I also have some services where I can help folks with resume review, resume writing, coaching, uh, strategic needs in terms of where to, where to post, how to, how to go about their job search and all those types of things. Wow, that is amazing. And can you tell us more about your book, Stellar Resume Writing, Secrets from a Corporate Recruiter? Sure. Um, this really started out uh, about two and a half years ago. And I really just, I wanted to write a book. And I kind of watched this course on how to publish myself on Amazon. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I can publish. I don't need a publisher. Uh, what should I write about? And I think, well, resumes. You know, I've read 10,000 of these things. Uh, so the book really wrote itself. It was easy to kind of organize it, put it together. And I use that course to help, you know, get it, get it all in the right kind of format and um, went ahead and published it. So it's really about from a the perspective behind, you know, kind of peeling back the curtain and what we're looking for as a corporate recruiter and, and how we go about it. And then translating that into what you need to do with your resume. And a lot of that is into customizing, um, having the right strategy, how to manage job boards, um, how to, how to work with LinkedIn in your profile and with LinkedIn as a platform and so forth and how to network. And, and those are some of the things that, that I do. And I show some nice before and exa after examples as well. That is wonderful. What are some of the major issues you see applicants have in regards to resume writing? 
So some of the biggest problems they have is they take a shotgun approach. Um, you know, especially if they're in the, uh, the fear, you know, fear minded perspective of I got to get a job and I'm just going to put this thing out there as many times and hopefully throw it against the wall and it's going to stick to something eventually. And hopefully it'll be a job that I like, you know, at this point, who cares? I just want a paycheck. And a lot of people have that mentality, but because they're not customizing, they end up in the black hole. So, you know, the, the blessing and the curse of our modern technology is that it is very easy to apply to companies. You, know, you get um, like ZipRecruiter. Have you heard of that? Yes. So you, you can head on your phone and you're just swipe, 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 swipe to apply, right? Right. I just hate that because we're getting so many people who we have some very specific qualifications you have to have. If you don't meet that, then everyone's just wasting their time. And so really what they need to do is, A, make sure it's very clean, it, it, but it really shows how it fits into the impact of the job description, how they're going to impact on the company itself. And then once you do that, to filter out through the noise, you need to take the next step and, and network. You know, do a quick um, invitation, find the recruiter and the potential hiring manager, shoot them a quick invitation, short, polite, professional. I applied for this job. Here's my impact. Would love to have an interview. And then also follow up with a phone call. But just don't, don't hound them and don't necessarily expect them to get back to you. But it, it's, you know, it's just like branding. You know, you keep your name out there enough in, in, the, in the right intervals, then you really increase your chances of getting looked at. Wow, that is very powerful. Now, Gregory, what has given you the most joy and fulfillment in your life? Joy and fulfillment in my life. It really comes down to how I can use what I've done in my life, what I've done in my career to help someone in some kind of way. It doesn't matter if it's in the career search or, or jobs, if it's just getting someone aligned to the right position in my company uh, so that they, they get the right career and then they flourish, or if it's just helping you know, my fellow man or woman in, in their walk in life and their walk in, in spirituality and those types of things. That is amazing. Now, you have a background in law enforcement. How did you shift from that to resume writing? And how did you pursue that? No, I think that's absolutely amazing. And I'd love for you to share your story. Thanks. I've had such a circuitous career. Um, I really, you know, I started out pursuing a life in academia. And there's things I really loved about it. Um, it, it certainly wouldn't have been about making money in behavioral science, because there really isn't any, even at the PhD level, which was kind of painful to find out the hard way. Um, and going through uh, a number of changes in the economy, you know, I went, I was laid off basically three times in a row, um, you know, through, through the recession of 2001 and I was ready to punt. I mean, I didn't know what to do. Um, and I was looking in joining the air force at that point, actually. Um, you know, I had the right qualifications. I was, you know, young and in pretty good shape and they were all excited. It was, everything was looking good to get into the air force. And then, Right at the 11th hour before my package hit the, the review board, they made a branch-wide decision that if you don't have a computer science degree or an engineering degree, we're not even going to look at you. I don't care who you are. And that happened to me at the wrong time. So now what do I do? And I was in Savannah, Georgia, because that's where my parents were. And my family was going to stay there while I went off to boot camp for eight weeks and then go from there. So my family would have support. Well... Now what do I do? Uh, I was, got interested in federal law enforcement and that's when I joined the police force. And I did that for a few years. And Savannah's an interesting town. 
Um, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, sadly, there's a lot of crime. Uh, there's a lot of uh, discrimination. There's, um, there's very poor education. And, and it was kind of painful. The city leaders, they didn't really support the police officers very well. And so the people who are essentially your bosses don't care about you. Um, it is a difficult place to be. There's a lot of great people who I worked with and served with. And there are some, still some people who, from any walk of life, they just weren't doing it right. And so I left there uh, really to move up to the D.C. area and was looking at Capitol Police and some other uh, law enforcement opportunities. I actually got a job in um, as a sales and marketing kind of support position for a, a real estate company. Um, had to punt from there because the housing industry crashed. <laughs> There was a point in time you could predict what industry was going to crash because that's the one I was in. <laughs> oh, wow. I was in I was an IT data center that crashed. Uh, that, you know the whole internet bubble burst, um, housing, and and so I was I was at a point where I really wasn't sure what to do. My dad was recovering from uh, brain surgery and brain cancer, and so my the house that I was living in literally got sold. And I was going to get kicked out. The job that I had was not looking good. That was looking like I was going to get laid off with some other people. So I ended up moving back home to take care of my dad, who was still recovering from brain surgery. Mom said, no pressure, but I could really use the help. And I thought the universe is telling me I need to go help my family. So I did. And this is a really long story to get there, but this is how it, how it happened. I was looking for work and I found this agency. I thought it was like a temp agency. And I looked them up and said, hey, uh, what do you have? And they say, well, we don't really do that. You know, we're a permanent placement agency, but send me your resume. We're hiring. So I did. I met the owner of this little franchise, Management Recruiters International. Great guy. One of the most ethical people I've ever met in my life. And he was the perfect mentor for getting into this business that is flooded, you know, agency recruiters, headhunters with a lot of fly-by-nighters, with a lot of used car salesmen, transactional type of people who don't care about you, um, only care about the company as long as they're paying them and they're just off to the next. And he had a different perspective. He led by integrity and servant leadership and he was a great person to be partnered with. And so because of my dad's situation, I chose pharmaceutical science because I was selfishly was looking for clinical trials to see if I could help him. And unfortunately, there weren't for what he had. Uh, melanoma, once it gets into the brain, is very pernicious and uh, unfortunately didn't, didn't work out. But the, the blessing was we got to be there with him at home, uh, comfortable in his own bed when he passed. So that was a blessing. And that's how I got into recruiting. I see. My condolences to you and your family in regards to what happened to your father. I would love for you to share with the audience how you overcame that matter with your father, how you got through because, you know, cancer is, is mm -hmm. ongoing in our society, our community. So what are some advice that you can give to our audience? I was not well equipped at the time. Um, I had uh, tried out Christianity for a little while and walked away from it. So I was very agnostic at the time and my, my parents were agnostic. So I think having the right spiritual background and the right community to help me would have been huge. Um, and my dad, because he wasn't religious, he didn't want a funeral. And and I was really kind of angry with him about that because he didn't leave any instructions of what to do. My poor mom didn't know what to do about it. Uh, do we have a ceremony? What kind of ceremony do we have? Where do we do it? You know, everyone's kind of spread out around the country. 
um, because we really needed that closure. And so one of the things I did, and this did really help, I wouldn't say it, it, it got me over the hump, it didn't you know, fully get me through it at the time, is that I wrote him a letter. And uh, I just had probably about two or three hours to myself, and I wrote down everything that was on my mind that, that I felt whether it was, you know, hey, thank you for this, and I really appreciate how you did this for the family and this for me, but I also wrote the things where I was disappointed, you know? I was really upset that, you know, when you went to have your surgery, you couldn't say the words I love you to your kids when that could have been the last time we saw you. You know, his, his response was always likewise, and there's just a number of things that were kind of unresolved, um, but that practice really, really helped, um, and and that was just kind of kind of for me to have a catharsis and just to have my last goodbye and peace with my dad. But it really wasn't until much later on and and I found God and and I had a lot of help to, to kind of get me past a lot of the mistakes that I made and the bad habits that I had to become more spiritually grounded as as a person and really understand kind of my place as a man and a father and a son, and a brother, and all those types of things. Wow. How important is your relationship with God to you? It's hugely important, hugely important. Um, and I never thought I would say that because, you know, like I said, I was, I tried it, didn't think it was good, didn't think it was for me. And the funny thing is about living in the South um, is, you know, most people will ask, oh, hey, what, you know, where do you live, or what do you do for a living, or, you know, those types of things, or where'd you go to school? first thing they ask you is, where do you go to church? And it's a very presumptive question, right? It's like, you know, uh, oh, you, you must go to church because you're in the South. Well, you know, maybe not necessarily. If you say, well, I don't go to church, then some of those look at that as an opportunity. It's like, oh, I got a live one. I'm going to go in, you know, I'm going to recruit. I'm going to get my quota today, you know, kind of thing. And, and that also kind of turned me off. That approach is not, you know, for a lot of people. And so, it wasn't until I relocated back to Kansas City and I met um, the woman who's now my wife. And she, uh, you know, she's been a Christ follower since her teenage years. And she came from a family that, uh, I forget, it's not Taoism, it's not Buddhism, but it's basically where you, you worship more like the mountains and the rocks and the spirits are in those types of things. And when she became a Christian, her parents literally, you know, beat her up for it kind of to an extent, you know, and, and hit her because uh, they didn't, they didn't appreciate that. And so she was trying to drop these hints to me, you know, and I was just like, okay, listen, I appreciate what you're trying to do and I respect, you know, where you're at, but I am never going to convert. It's not going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> and famous last words, right? Right. So I, um, you know, we, we had, I have a stepson and then we have a, a child together who's now six and so she really wanted them to be, you know, ran in the church. And I said, yeah, that's fine. You know, it's, it's a good place for kids to be and it's good, good, good people to be around. That's totally fine by me. I'm just not, you know, I'm going to be kind of on autopilot sitting back doing my thing. Um, we ended up at this church and, and God really had, I think, paved the way for this. She just felt called to go to this one church. And we go there. It was really interesting. Walk in and it says at the movies and they have this marquee up. And I got people handing you a soda, popcorn, and I've been to a number of churches. I'm like, what is this? This is so crazy. 
And we, we sat in and it was really kind of brilliant. What they did was um, they took a secular movie that had a really nice message to it, right? And it would be compressed until about 20, 25 minutes, just the major parts. You could really get the gist of the movie. And then in different sections of the movie, the past would come in and explain from a spiritual background what was going on. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. Um, and then at the end of it, he did an altar call, which I didn't even know what an altar call was at the time. And the pastor got up and he, you know, he came from a tough background and he was doing drugs and getting into fights and, you know, chasing women and doing all these types of things. And, and someone finally got him to go to church and he had this, you know, huge come to God moment where it just changed his life. And now he became a pastor. And I'm like, well, I can kind of relate to this guy. You know, he's a regular, you know, regular guy that has gone through a lot. And it's, it's kind of speaking to me. And then all of a sudden he said, everybody close your eyes. Um, and if you need Jesus today, raise your hand. And when you raise your hand, um, I'm going to ask you to take a leap of faith and courage and to come down to the front. I'm going to pray for you. And so the very first time this happened, my hand's doing this. Wow. Eyes are closed. And, and I am fighting it. And I was able to fight it back that time, um, but I was so confused. I'm like, I don't buy into this. What am, what, what's going on? Um, so a couple of weeks later, we came back, and he does what I found out. He does an altar call every Sunday, and same thing. And all I can describe it was this it was a gravitational force from my heart to the front of that stage. It was just pulling me, and I just couldn't resist the urge to raise my hand and say, I, I, I need him. And I need salvation. I need help. And so I did. My wife had no idea this was going on inside my head and my heart. And you should have seen the look on her face. <laughs> when I get up and I walk in front of her to go down <laughs> to, the, to the front. And, and it was surreal because there's at least 800 people. Uh, it's a pretty good-sized church. And it's a very personal decision. Uh, and I'm making it in front of all these people. And I was very self-conscious. But at the same time, they are literally cheering and hooting and clapping their hands for me. I'm like, that's pretty supportive. That's kind of cool. And, and, you know, the pastor was me and another guy at that time. Sometimes there'd be one person, sometimes there'd be 10 people. And, and he put his hand on my shoulder and, he, and just, it was like God was talking to me directly. He to said exactly what I needed to hear in that moment and, and brought me in. And that was it. And the rest is history. And I kind of jumped in and there's a lot of learning that had to take place. Uh, Cause I didn't know very, I'd read some of the Bible, but I didn't know much about what it really meant. And of course that's a lifelong journey, but um, there were some great programs and I joined men's fraternity, which um, was a great program that kind of leads you through a lot of steps um, of how to grow as a Christian and what does it mean to be a man through this whole situation? And it's, it's learning and it's sharing and it's small groups. And it was, that was a phenomenal situation for me. Um, that really put me on the right path. But it took a number of years to really peel back the layers of garbage and bad habits that built up over the years. And the more I resisted in letting those go, the more painful it was, frankly. Wow, but you overcame that. And that's absolutely amazing, Gregory. Now, was there a time in your life where you experienced an aha moment? Um, other than that, I think, uh, 
I would probably say it was the time when um, I really realized that it was me causing the pain to myself going through that process. I was blaming everybody. I was blaming my wife. I was blaming my dad. I was blaming, you know, I was like, no, this is the way, you know, I've always done it this way. And why, why do I need to change? And, and it was a time where I really realized and a friend kind of helped me get there. He was the guy who actually led the men's um, And basically what it was is that it really is me. And that I need to make this choice. And that if I can just stop this emotional negative spiral, this hurricane of just chaos inside my head and understand what's really going on and, and really accept the situation for what it is calmly and then move on. I was able to do that successively and over time move on from a lot of these bad habits. My hundred percent perfect. No, I mean, I'm still, there's certain things I'm still fighting to this day. You know, the anger issues from my dad and, and a number of other things. Yeah. What are some steps that you're taking to overcome that? Um, I stay very close to um, a number of things. I, I get in the word every day and, and staying in the word kind of helps keep me grounded. I've got this really cool devotional right now that's a year long, reading the whole Bible. It's more chronological, so it's not from book to book. And then there's uh, some teaching uh, audio. Um, uh, it's called by the, the Bible by D group. And, and there's a kind of an explanation of each book. There's an explanation of a lot of the devotionals that you have to help you piece it together. So there's that. And there's a couple, couple men in my life that are, are very devoted um, that help keep me on track that I rely to. And I'm, when I'm really slipping and I'm having uh, a very weak moment, those are the people that I can rely on to, to kind of pray for me and wheel me back in and, and remind me that, hey, you're okay, you got this, God's got this, you're gonna be fine. Um, and I never rely on those people today, and God has put those people in my life in order to be successful. Amen, and that's you know divine intervention. God is truly great. Now, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? So, um, one of the things that I've done, it's really understanding you know, what your greatness is and what you have to bring to the world and I think it's easy to get, like they say, your ladder up on the wrong wall because you might be good at something and you think, oh, this is it. And you're moving up and so forth. And then you get to a certain point and you're scratching your head going, this really isn't fulfilling. And you need to find the things that are going to fulfill you. And I actually went through this practice. Um, let me show it to you. Okay. Um, this, this is a really cool book. Um, I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan. And he wrote, start with why, which is more about, you know, leadership and organizations, and then find your why, which he has for individuals and for, for teams and for organizations. And it's, it's a really cool process of going through um, really the, the big impactful things that have happened in your life and picking maybe the top five or six of those stories in great detail and sitting down with someone you can trust, who can, who doesn't know you incredibly well, you know, not like a close friend or a family member, but someone, someone you can trust who's a great listener who can help find the commonalities. And you go, and I've, I've done this with a friend of mine. And so you go through this whole process of figuring out what's the golden thread that winds all these, you know, things you've been through together. These, and I had some really random distinct stories. <laughs> it didn't seem like 
how does this all come together? But it really, really does help and, and provides that foundation. And from that foundation, many things can come from that. But as long as you have that foundation of what's driving you, that's what's going to keep you on, on task and keep you fulfilled. I love it. Thank you for sharing your story and your advice and your tips to the audience, Gregory. I really appreciate you and for being on Walk With Me podcast. Now, where can the audience find you? So you can find me in a number of places. Uh, first of all, LinkedIn. You can just type in Gregory Austin and I should be able, you might be able to find me there. Um, you can find me on careerjetpack.com where a lot of my information is at Career Jetpack on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Career Jetpack. Uh, you can also find me uh, stellarresumewriting.com um, or you can type in Stellar Resume Writing in Amazon, find my book there as well. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Gregory at careerjetpack.com. And Gregory, thank you again for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. You have oh, a blessed day. The pleasure was mine. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome.